What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. You think we've gotten too radical with our message? Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know. Go to go Woo! <laughs> you better put them hands together. Put them together for Monday on b after a pretty rainy weekend. Looks like the sun's going to come out today. It'll be a nice Monday, Bucky says. Yep, today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. We're going to be blazing hot or are we going to stay cool? Like uh, about 84, 84 to 88. I like 84. Yeah, 88. Do that. Tomorrow. A little warmer tomorrow even. Uh, appreciate all the folks that let us know that, uh, unfortunately, it looks like uh, former former Longhorn football player Jaden Hullaby is, uh lost his life in a car accident. We told you, Ty told us in Hot or Not, that the report we had was his parents reported him missing after leaving, headed west, but uh, he reportedly has, has passed away yeah, and died as a result of a, uh, a car accident. And that uh, his, his younger brother had confirmed that on social media, so... Rest in peace to a 22-year-old. That must have been this morning soon. then, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, he left last night, right? Like six, what his parents say, left heading west. I don't know if he's going back to New Mexico for, for football summer camp or whatever, but uh, who knows. But uh, just a uh, terrible piece of news to start the morning with. On top of all the good from the weekend, and also the bad and the ugly. Coming up, Buck, you, know, you and I haven't uh, addressed the uh, the passing of Jim Brown, who the died great on one, Friday, yeah. the great Jim Brown. 87. 80, 87 years old, a, uh, a gigantic figure in the world of football and, of course, movies and activism uh, for pretty much the, the majority of your lifetime, Buck, and that would yeah. be my oh, lifetime, yeah. too. So we will uh, get your thoughts on that. Eager to have that conversation with you. WMEA update? Uh, maybe. Maybe. We maybe did a little something. We did Take have Mondays a, off. We had, a, we had an historic night on the WMBA update. Yeah. I have that for you. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's, He's got it going see, now. come on, man. There you go. Who's got you? There's some big points, didn't we? Hey, I got to make up for that uh, Lakers pick. I mean, how's that going for me? You did, not not going. You, you did that uh, just as a contrarian, though. That was yeah, a, that's all. You didn't, really, you didn't believe that in your heart. No, I didn't. Uh, I, I was, but again, you know, to be contrarian on this show where you guys are both going heavy Denver, I wanted to at least present the argument, but the Lakers aren't backing me up on this thing. No, there's, there's no more arguments. Um, but on the other side of it, Joe Mazzula's getting his fanny smacked around by Eric Spolster in the heat. It's not close right now. Not close. Uh, in this series, uh, it is one-sided from the coaching and preparation, and this is the uh, the culture of the team that uh, Eric Spolster has versus what Joe Mo- Joe. It's kind of one-sided on the other thing too. Yeah, I mean Darvin Ham, but you know, same time Nuggets have been the one. You're, you know, this is an eight seed. You're the two seed uh, with Boston, right? And I know Miami's not your typical eight, but at the same time, I mean, you, your team is is not. Even after the game, Joe Mazzulla admitted disconnect in the locker room. The message is not transmitting. So, yeah, they got no chance. <laughs> no chance. Meanwhile, the Heat are completely locked in and connected and doing what they need to be doing for sure. Let's get to the other headlines, though. Trending topics. Hated to hear a piece of news with Jaden Hullaby, but there is good news from the Longhorn front. Top Gun and Equipment Rentals bring you the news. And yeah, great weekend around the 40 acres. And 
Around the 5-1-2, the Longhorns baseball team completed a dominant three-game sweep of West Virginia Saturday. 7-3 was the final. They win the regular season Big 12 championship. Share of it with two others, but they will be the number one seed at this week's Big 12 tournament. Texas had to win all three to raise the trophy, and did they ever. David Pierce's Longhorns outscored the Mountaineers 29-9 over the course of the three games. I'm just so proud, proud of our team, and just they never listened to the distractions, never gave actions in, and uh, they just played so hard for each other. I mean, we kind of went from the impossible to the improbable to the champions, and that's a that's a great feeling for our team. Certainly did. Uh, across the street at McCombs Field, Texas softball also had a three-game sweep. They won the Austin Regional uh, and advanced to the Super Regional round of the NCAA tournament. They posted wins over Seton Hall on Friday night, then back-to-back wins over A&M on Saturday and again yesterday. They'll open that series in the Supers with Tennessee on Friday in Knoxville. Austin FC wrapped up what may be in big picture a season-saving week Saturday night. A dramatic 1-0 win over Toronto FC. Yazi Zardis with the game winner in the 91st minute to give the Verde their second win this week. After stumbling through an eight-game stretch, it saw them claim just four points. The club has now taken six points in four days. They're back into the playoff picture. Um moving forward. No celebration last night at HEB Center at Cedar Park. Texas Stars season came to an end. They were unable to overcome a furious four-goal first period from Milwaukee. The Admirals get the win 5-2 to two in advance. Uh, Texas Stars lose in Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals. Not a great day for the parent club either. Dallas Stars suffered their second straight overtime loss in Las Vegas. Golden Knights get the win there. With a, with a goal early in the first overtime, and they're up two games to none in that series. NBA playoffs, we mentioned, both the uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals on the verge of sweeps now. Uh, the Celtics, excuse me, the Heat and the Nuggets up three games to none coming out of the weekend. Nuggets can uh, clinch their first trip ever to the NBA Finals with a win tonight over the L.A. Lakers in Game 4 out in L.A. Brooks Kepka has once again risen to the top of the golf world, and after four years since his last major championship, 33-year-old fired a rock-solid 67 yesterday in Rochester, New York, to win the PGA Championship at Oak Hill by two strokes over Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler. He now owns three PGA Championships to go with a pair of wins at the U.S. Open. Major League Baseball, Rangers and Astros completed sweeps over the weekend of last-place teams. Rangers wallop Colorado 13-3 yesterday. Houston blanked Oakland 2-0 behind a complete game four-hitter from Framber Valdez. Round Rock topped El Paso to wrap up that long homestand at Del Diamond 5-4. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Come see one of the many reasons your mama loves us this month by getting select Toro and Hustler zero-turn mowers for up to 26% off. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. You know, after on Friday, I think it was Thursday or Friday that uh, Kepka played with DeChambeau. He still doesn't like that dude. Yeah, they're not. It's no, they no, play on the same ju- tour. I mean, bank accounts are similar. I know you. You could just tell he didn't. He didn't enjoy. He doesn't enjoy playing them or being around them. Really. Well, you know, the best players historically all time are, are the best iron players, long iron players. There's not a better iron player in the world than Brooks Kepka. I mean, his. I mean, how many approach shots did he hit? They were just. You know, they they now have the tr- the tracer technology on almost every shot. And they put the target line on there just about every time Brooks Kepke oh, hits yeah, the target he's there. line. It is. He is just such a, a wizard. Now, he's great off the tee, but a lot of people are. But what separates great golfers are the putting and then the approach shots. Um, and, and Brooks is, is up to task with both. Uh, he is, he's just tremendous. Yeah, when he's healthy, he's special. Oh, man. Uh, unmatched. Un- you know, even John. It was, I thought it was pretty cool when they put John Rahm with the microphone and he was sitting there talking. Uh, he was, you know, his, his six over round of in round one really you know they always say you can't win the tournament on Friday but you can lose it uh John Rahm you know that he was never going to make up those six strokes that he gave away to the field on Thursday but it was cool for him to sit there for the better part of an hour and kind of do commentary mm-hmm. and he talked about Brooks Kepka and every player knows it I mean he's 
mean, Scotty Scheffler, Rory, those guys all know that uh, when he's going, watch out. I mean, uh, he's and that's why the fact that John Rahm won the Masters head to head with Brooks Kepka, pretty impressive. Obviously, Brooksy on that Sunday did not play great and uh, didn't have his best game, but Rom was able to beat him. But uh, those are your first two major winners of the year, uh, Rom and Kepka. U.S. Open coming up next. On the Longhorn baseball front, talked about it a lot last hour. We'll hear from Lucas Gordon here coming up. But, man, what a run. Uh, left for dead. On April the 23rd, we came in here, and Texas had just been swept by Oklahoma. Swept by Oklahoma. They, they did everything wrong. They didn't pitch well. And the only game they pitched well was Lucas Gordon. And that game, they only scored one run. They didn't hit well. And they, they led a team in Oklahoma that likes to create base runners and then run the bases and steal bases and put runners in motion. They gave them all the fuel they needed with walks and hit batters and just a, an erratic pitching performance over the weekend. But it was, a, it was a total team sweep, right? They got beaten every phase by Skip Johnson's team. Remember Coach Pierce called it the most embarrassing weekend Oh yeah, he can remember. And, boy, give, that, give this team credit because from that point, October the, April the 22nd into the 23rd, They've uh, all they've done is got better and took that a- as fuel for themselves to build into this team that right now nobody wants to play. They beat Texas Southern, scored 18 runs, and they took two out of three from TCU. And remember the game they lost in Fort Worth was Tanner Witt's first start back, and he didn't have it. But they, you know, he he led them to a pretty rough first inning, and they played from behind and ended up losing that game to TCU. But played well that series. They took two out of three from Kansas, then they beat UT Arlington, and then they. Uh, Took two out of three from San Jose State. But we talked about it. We heard Garrett Gilmet, the Longhorn catcher, talk about that losing the first game of that San Jose State series, the doubleheader game, 6-4, to four, he said that, man, we, it was a not a good locker room. It was real bad. You know, from that point, yeah. it, you know, we need – and it was the players. You know this, Buck, being around players. The coaches can say all they want. When the players start holding one another accountable, start looking at each other, saying, guys, we got to be better than that. Yeah, it's not the coaches that lost this game. That's us. That's us. And, and that was the game where they had a 4-2 to two lead in the eighth inning and – let it get away. They lost six to four, and uh, we talked about how dev- how bad those San Jose State losses would hurt the RPI, and it did. But then from that point, they came out of that locker room. Buck for game two, they won twenty four to three. Then they won the game Saturday, eighteen to six, and then this weekend the hitting continued. They scored twelve runs in game one, ten runs in game two, seven more in game three. So everything they didn't do against Oklahoma, they flipped it against West Virginia. They just do it, so, and they do it so smartly. That's what I, that's what I like about what a great job Coach Pierce has done this year. A number of new guys on his staff. Yeah, it was it was a a team that nobody could understand how are they going to make up for it offensively, and they've done just that. They have they found ways to score a bunch of runs, and and maybe and and they continue to try to find out what's going on with their pitching. They didn't just say, "Hey, we're settling, we're good right now." They continue to to work on their pitching, and and, and they're. I mean, the regular season is over with, and they're still working on it. Exactly. It's it's a and the the biggest change could be Tanner Witt continuing right. to extend what he can do, which is huge. And let's be fair in this stretch, LeBaron Johnson Jr. has been outstanding. Yep, giving you that rock solid number two for the most part. Travis Staley has been really good, and he came in in relief of uh, of Tanner Witt on Saturday. And this is a young ball club, is it not? I mean, there's not a oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's this a group sure. of a lot of guys coming back. Well, Eric again. Kennedy's done. They had senior night, right? So oh, senior yeah. day on Saturday. He's been here 12 years. Yeah, he's been here a long time. Um, but when I say they did everything they wanted to do, you, as, a, as a coach, you play. You have a game plan. What are the things we have to do to beat West Virginia? A, we have to keep them off the bases because they like to run, just like Oklahoma likes to run. they got a great player, run. yep. They, they like to run bases. They had over, I think, 130 steals as a team coming in. So they like to create base runners, just like Oklahoma, and then manufacture runs. 
Uh, and they not only did they keep him off the bases for the most part, they played with the lead, right? Getting a lead and a big lead early is going to take a running team and slow it down because they're not going to take chances giving up outs on the base paths when they're trailing like they were. So you took their running game away from them. You you know, the coach, remember, they didn't start their best pitcher in game three. They started a, a, a freshman and Texas beat him up. Yeah, that didn't work. Well, and, and it turns out that the, the their ace pitcher, their left-hander who pitched Saturday, was dealing with some fatigue, some tired mm-hmm. arm, and that's why they were trying. It wasn't about trying to game the deal for the coach. It was really about trying to give him some extra rest. And they hoped they could win one game here without having to use him so he could have rested all the way into the Big 12 tournament. But he did start the game, didn't even get out of the first inning on Saturday in the in the deciding game. But also what Texas did, well, how about the top of the order? Those three guys at the top, Jared Thomas, Peyton Powell, and Dylan Campbell, batted 500 for the weekend. They went 21 for 41. They scored like 18 runs on the weekend. It was just... Those three at the top setting the table for the uh, Gilmets and Porter Browns and Eric Kennedy's ridiculous. And to the point of you saying young team, Buck, those two dudes, Jared Thomas and Jalen Flores. Flores had the big four RBI game on Saturday. Those are kind of the cornerstones moving forward. Whatever this season turns out to be, right. it's a Big 12 championship. Those two guys are, are rock solid in that lineup. And so just, you know, from one month to the next, right, from one April series to this, what a flip this program is. Like, we hear from Lucas Gordon. Uh, he's one of the veterans on this team. He was a, a part of that great staff last year. Uh, here was Lucas Gordon after the game. He got the win and set the tone in the first game, 12-2 to two win. Here's Lucas Gordon with uh, Roger Wallace. Tone setter for you, Lucas, and then you just become the biggest cheerleader. What was, uh, first of all, your night like on Thursday and then to watch your guys go do their thing the last two games? Uh-huh. So, like you said, my, uh, my job is to set the tone and then uh, become a cheerleader. So uh, try to become the best cheerleader I can, kind of give them some pointers on uh, – how to throw some guys some things I see and uh, watch them do their thing. And to watch your offense started with your start, got the, the got the quick runs, and then uh, just kept rolling through. How mm-hmm. how big was that to watch your offense go to work? Well, I think we've we've. I mean, this is we really grow. We really grew this uh, this uh, series, and um, to watch them not give give away one AB and just to compete and grind the whole time was really special. What's it been like to watch Tanner's uh, comeback and to see his outing today and? And to see his progress, knowing what he's had to go through the last 14 months. Well, you guys know that's my boy. I've known him since I was 14 years old. So, um, kind of to, to be there, he's been there through my downs, and, and to be there through his uh, surgery and uh, it's not so fun part of life was uh, it's very special. And it's now it's special to watch him come back and, and do what he's doing. Big shot in the arm, uh, no pun intended, with Tanner Witt's return. And he threw 44 pitches, three scoreless innings, and um, you know, can you? A little bit better every time. Yeah. I mean, and a little bit longer. And the last two starts, he started to actually look like Tanner Witt. Some great, uh, uh, you know, his breaking ball. You know, he's throwing the breaking balls for strikes. There's great to the leverage on that slider. Uh, the fastball is is setting the tone. He pitches off his fastball, but he's got to be able to hit. They'll throw the breakers to, to or else people are just going to sit on the fastball. And uh, man, that you talk about a team that's coming into its own. That maybe the players have taken control of what they're going to be, and um, everyone knows what their role is now. This is the right time of year for that to happen, Buck. I mean, it's like the Miami Heat, it right? Certainly is. The Miami Heat have figured it out at the right time, and all of a sudden they're a win away from the NBA Finals. The Longhorns do look like a team that, um, you know, no one wants to play. And will they be able to host a regional? You know, that's yet to be seen. They're sitting at 38-18. and 18. They're, they're near the top 20 of the RPI. I think a few wins. They get a couple, couple three of them that they were to win the Big 12 tournament. Um, oh, for sure. That would be huge to to art to to uh, give them an opportunity, and then you know if if they even win a couple games, get to forty wins, 
you know, would be huge. But they're they're still probably on the outside looking in. But I think the message sent this weekend was, you know, you better consider Texas for one of the 16 host schools coming out of Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and let me mention this too on when that Oklahoma series. Well, that was when Tanner Witt was about to make his comeback, and I asked Coach Pierce about Oklahoma. Remember the kid, Cade Horton, who was had Tommy John surgery just like Tanner Witt did, and similar timeline, and Cade Horton came back, and Oklahoma was a team that was so different at the end of the year than they were at the start, and they made the run to the national championship final series, right? Final series, and Cade Horton, their pitcher, became right. an ace pitcher for them, started as a you know a short starter and then a reliever, and then by the NCAA tournament and the Super Regionals and into Omaha was their ace. And then got drafted by the Cubs and made a bunch of money. You wonder if Tanner Witt can be on a similar parallel because Oklahoma was not a great team early in that year, but they played for the national championship. This team's starting to look a little bit like that, and it's a very even year. And if you have Lucas Gordon and then LBJ and then Tanner Witt as your three weekend starters. It's pretty good. With this offense, the way it's clicking right now and the, the balance right-handed to left-handed – because they can, you know, when they go lefty lefty at the top with Jared Thomas and then and then Peyton Powell and then Dylan Campbell, who's now got a what 33, 34 game hitting streak, whatever it's at now, he is just a machine in the three hole. Um, you know, then you bring in Garrett Gilmet from the right side, then you're back to the left side with Eric Kennedy and Porter Brown. Uh, they can really balance out a, a, an offensive lineup. So a uh, lot of things to like about this Texas baseball team, also the Texas softball team into the uh, super regional round. After knocking out those Aggies yesterday. It's a good weekend. Good weekend. Good weekend. Wasn't a good way to go into the weekend, Buck, with the passing of uh, of Jim Cal- uh, Jim Brown, the legendary Cleveland Brown. And it's funny, you and I talked about Jim Brown last week. Wait, that's what I was saying. I, I thought of that on Friday when he passed away. Yeah, you and so I we were just having... got through talking about him. Yeah, because you were talking about my dad grew up a big old Cleveland Browns fan right. in Northeast Ohio. And, yes, Jim Brown was a huge, huge player. But, look, Jim Brown was a, was bigger than football. Be honest about that, right? He might have been the greatest football player ever to live. Yeah, and some would say yes, he was. I would, you know, me and my whole running back Gale Sayers thing, but there, it really wasn't close. Jim Brown was the best. The combination of size, power, speed. Oh, yeah, I mean, intellect. as I always say, when when all defenses were to stop one guy, nobody else on the Browns team that they want to stop except for Jim Brown. They never talked about stopping anybody at wide receiver. They never. They just said we have to stop that guy. So eleven guys were honed in on him, and they still couldn't do it. Well, and you're right, and I heard Rod and Hard say this on Friday, and it's true. I mean, back then, running backs were like quarterbacks today, right? Everything's right. built around the quarterback. Everything used to be built around running backs, and we know that. And it was ground and pound and three yards in a cloud of dust, and you know nobody ever did it like Jim Brown. Now, Jim Brown says Earl Campbell is number two on the list. He thinks Earl Campbell was the second-best running back all Could time, right. which is very similar as far as size and speed and oh, yeah. that combination. But Jim Brown walked away from football after nine years. 30 years old. 30 years old. And you know what? It was about going to Hollywood and making movies, but he was going to make more money making, what was the movie he made? The uh, 100 Rifles with Raquel Welsh. Was that the first one? Yeah. But something about they were going to pay him more than the Cleveland Browns were going to pay him to play football. Like, oh, yeah. I don't have to get beat up and I can go make movies and hang out with Raquel Welch. But we know he became more than that. And part of it, you know, with Cleveland, you know, Paul Brown, the legendary, I'm really architect of football, but uh, the, the Cleveland Browns organization, you know, he got at odds with, with Jim Brown because he tried to, you know, well, hey, he didn't want him into all this activism. Right. Nobody did. Hey, just play football, time. be a quiet superstar. Yeah. You know, don't 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 create waves. I mean, gosh, integration and everything that was happening through the sixties and the civil rights movement and I mean Jim Brown went to talk to gangs in LA to tell them to chill out to to try to 
smooth things out in, in Los Angeles with all the gang violence that was going on. He so was so much so that he held part a, of that. He he held a, a summit. summit at his house. Yep. Between the Bloods and the Crips, and had him sit and he he pretty much negotiated a ceasefire. Yeah, he, he, he did some Angeles. wonderful things, but he was not always a peaceful man. He was, I mean, he was, he had his ups and downs. He he was an abuser at times to women. Absolutely. I mean, he was, he was. That's on the resume, uh, and, without a doubt. Yeah, there's, I mean, you, you you can talk about the good stuff, but there was some bad stuff about Jim Brown, too. I well, mean, he, he had a, some dark days. Let's just say Jim Brown was a, was a complicated figure, but a massive figure. Uh, and yes, he was, he liked to hit people. Yes, he including did. Including women. Yes, now, on many an occasion, now never never found guilty, but um, even in his own book that he wrote in 1989, he admitted that he had anger problems. There's and- a deal. I, re- I remember as, when I was younger that Jim Brown had thrown some female off a balcony or something yeah, he was as, a- as one of those. One of those times. Yeah. I remember that being a, a big a big deal at the time. I, I mean, it still is. I mean, that has to be a part of the conversation. Sure. Uh, running back, activist, actor. Um, you know, if you remember back in the late 60s. All-American lacrosse player at Syracuse. Yes, he was. Um, We'd like to have that guy coming down at you. And some would say he's a better lacrosse player than a football player. But remember in 1967, they had the Cleveland Summit where he brought in Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yep. Willie Davis and... Um, you know, he was an activist, but he, he put his he put action behind the words for sure. And yeah, I mean, domestic abuse was a problem for him without a doubt. And you, you want to, and that that has to be told as well. But uh, you know, a titan in your lifetime. And oh, in was mine. he better than Gail Sears? I never saw him. You're to decide. I would say, give me Jim Brown. Yeah, everybody would say, give me now, Jim Brown for sure. On the controversial side he, of this, I think he led the league too in rushing eight out of the nine years. Oh, yeah, he was, in he the, was the best player in the league for a decade, without a doubt. In in a and that's that be you know when, when running backs were like quarterbacks he was far and away the best running back, you know when I look at best players of all time I he's in that top four mm-hmm. he's on the Mount Rushmore of football players for performance, and then, I mean how about this Jim Ursay the owner of the Indianapolis Colts has ruffled some feathers because on the, on, on the passing of Jim Brown he put out a list a tweet of his five greatest NFL players of all time he says Jim Brown Tom Brady John Elway Deacon Jones Reggie White. Which did not include his own Peyton Manning, who played for him with the Colts, which was pretty good. He puts John Elway in there. I would put Jerry Rice in any top five that no I have. No doubt. Jerry Rice, who we're talking about far and away the greatest wide receiver of all time. The numbers Jerry Rice put up until he was forty years old are will never be matched. I mean, gosh, it's unbelievable what he did. I always I like hearing Rod Babers in the afternoon talk about he played he played with Jerry Rice. What <laughs> that's how long Jerry Rice played football. Uh, that, that Jerry was still playing when he got into the league. Uh, all right, so we'll take your memories and thoughts on Jim Brown. Passed away on Friday. The good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend, including these NBA series that are headed towards sweeps. And um, the Longhorns off to Arlington, feeling really good about where they sit as a baseball team. Will David Pierce be named the Big 12's Coach of the Year? It's a fair question. You know, West Virginia's coach. Did a nice job, and uh, you know Randy Mazey almost had their first Big 12 championship, but couldn't secure it. I mean, I got to go, David Pierce, with the rebuild, new staff, 19 new players, and to win the Big 12 and be the one seed. It'd be hard not to vote for him. We'll we'll get into that coming up as well. It's being here with you on a good, bad, and ugly Monday. It's Bucky and Aaron. Yeah, what uh, somebody said? What list of uh, great all-time NFL players? Top five would not include Lawrence Taylor. It's true. You're right. Come on, Jim Ursay. I have no problem with uh, Jim Brown being on your list. Reggie White. Tom Brady. But my list would have to include Lawrence Taylor and Jerry Rice. 
Have to. Joe Montana. You only get five. You got to uh, take one quarterback. Okay, well then be Tom Brady. There you go. Then it's Tom Brady. And probably going to take one just player. Was that Jim Brown or Jerry Rice or both? Or do you stick uh, Walter? You know, do you stick? Uh, you know, on the defensive side, is it Reggie White? Is it Lawrence Taylor? Is it both? Is it? Uh, I mean, he went back to Deacon Jones. All back to Deacon Jones. Wow. Uh, what did I, I heard somebody arguing that Lawrence Taylor didn't play the run very well. Are you kidding me? Lawrence Taylor changed the game. And how long before Patrick Mahomes joins this conversation? A couple more years. A couple more Another years Super of doing Bowl. what he's doing. Another Super five Bowl. Five more years like his first five, and yes, oh, he'll yeah. be in the, the general convo. He'll be in the top five. Yeah, because, you know, in, in football, each position is so position-specific that it's hard. But when you just say best five of all time, gosh, Jim Brown, Tom Brady, Lawrence Taylor. The galloping goes, Jim Thorpe, Walter Ooh. Payton. No, I think you're going Jim Brown. I think that's going to serve as your running back. It will be. That's it. You don't need any others. Because at that point, Earl then you Barry get into the Sanders. running back you can, debate. You can just, you know, yeah, just Earl Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. Yep. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? But yes, you go on down that rabbit hole. Uh, speaking of good and good, bad, and ugly, how about uh, the state high school baseball playoffs? Can we get a quick flex segment? Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, uh, congratulations to uh, the Westlake Chaparrales. You know, we left on on Friday, Buck, and both Lake Travis and Round Rock had won the first games of those three-game series. Right. Uh, but Westlake and San Antonio Johnson both came back to win back-to-back games to advance. So Lake Travis' season comes to an end. We told you on, on Friday that Johnson was kind of the favored team. They're one of the top teams in the state, and Lake, Lake Travis was going to have their hands full. They got that first game with a great win and a great pitching performance, but Johnson won the next two, including 7-1 to one in the clincher. And then Westlake who lost to Round Rock in that first game, that walk-off one nothing game. They came back and won back-to-back games. They won at Chaparral at their home park on, on Friday with a crazy crowd, and then they played at Concordia, kind of a neutral site game on Saturday, and they won that ball game. Uh, I think 7-1 to was the final there as well. And uh, Westlake just has the deep pitching, right? That's why they're you know top 10, top 5 kind of team. And on Saturday, it was their right-hander, Jack Brady, who held Round Rock to one run in the, uh, the clinching game. So Westlake advances. In the state baseball playoffs, Westlake will now face Eagle Pass. Eagle Pass in the next round. Lake Travis' season comes to an end. And in that one-game playoff, Buck, the uh, the Rouse, Leander Rouse versus Cedar Park game, how about Rouse? Remember, they they, they, they won the coin toss. So they said, let's do a one-game playoff. And, uh, that was the winner-take-all, right? Yes. And Cedar Park had beaten Rouse three straight times, and they were leading 7-1 to one on Friday to move on in the one game. Uh, and the Raiders, Rouse Raiders, rallied to win the ball game nine to eight. They advance. Cedar Park season comes to a very disappointing end. Obviously, also Georgetown Lady Softball they swept Santa Fe. Uh, they advance in the uh, softball tournament. Now I can't find finals on the t- on the Georgetown boys team, boys baseball squad. So if someone from Georgetown knows, they were playing Lake Highlands and uh, Lake uh, that team out of Montgomery, Texas, down there by Magnolia, outside of Houston. But I don't, I can't find results on that. So let me know who won that series with Georgetown. The Georgetown ladies, the softball team, did win. I'm not sure about the men, the boys. So, congratulations to Westlake and to Leander Rouse. 
they have advanced. And there's your flex segment. Pretty good stuff right there. Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Part of a good, bad, and ugly Monday here on B&E. We'll have some salacious gossip and a blitz for the top of the uh, hour. And uh, you, do you want to do the uh, WNBA update, Buck, or am I doing that? I'm doing the, You're doing uh, it. You had the news. Come on. Todd. You had the news. Didn't you have somebody who... There was Bri- some controversy. Breanne Stewart. Who, the, the L.A. Sparks coach came out and said, how could this not be a... How could this not be a sellout for the return of Brittany Griner? Oh yeah, for the she did return. Do you have our? We got to have our theme music. Right? Where's our theme music? They had a, a huge crowd. We're gonna do the uh, WNBA update. They're the largest crowd in history. I need some tunes for this, uh, but I will give you this from the WNBA. Yeah, the uh, the coach was not happy. It wasn't a sellout for Brittany Griner's return, but uh, Brianna Stewart scored forty five points. About that, most scored by three any player in, in the WNBA qu- she did history. It in three quarters. Yeah, in thirty minutes or less. 30 minutes or less, 45 points. Where's the defense? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. There you go. There you go. There you go. Soul Hat. We always got to play Soul Hat with their great song, classic, back back in the day, WNBA. That's right. So uh, Brianna Stewart with 45 points. How did Brittany play? Brittany played well. She had 20, 27 points. You watch? 10 rebounds. Of course I watch. Yeah, he did. The he comeback blew. player of the year. All over it. Right? Am I going to be wrong on that? Am I, I'm 90% sure that she's going to be the comeback player of the year. Go ahead and get those bet slips in. Yeah, get them in now. <laughs> okay, well, there's your uh, basketball. The uh, NBA may have been more exciting than the NBA over the weekend because uh, the Boston Celtics have kind of given in to the culture and the physicality of the Miami Heat. I don't think they're listening to their coach very much. You know how bad it was last night, Buck? I mean, I had the game on, and my wife, of course, was watching the American Idol finale. She's seen every season. Like she, she, she could do like the Craig Way history of like Craig Way could do the history of everything, right? History of everything. Mm-hmm. My wife could do the history of American Idol. So that was on the big screen. So I, on my iPad, I was watching the basketball game, and safe to say, it wasn't very good. It was not good. the The Celtics. Were, oh no! What are we doing here? I mean, you know, you thought they would have some Boston pride and fight back. The Heat led ninety three to sixty three after three quarters. The thirty point margin is their fourth largest through three quarters in the history of the franchise. And it's the fifth largest deficit in the history of the Celtics. Yeah, I thought I'd see way more from Brown, and I have not in this series. Embarrassing. I thought he would be the guy who would be, you know, Jimmy Butler light, but he's not. I did not at all. I did opine last week. I wonder because I listened to Joe Mazzulla's press conference after they were outscored forty-six to twenty-five in the third quarter of Game One, and um, you know. He, made, he called zero timeouts at any of that, right? The Heat came out on fire. Eric Spolster had made great adjustments at the half, and the, the Celtics had no answer. Jason Tatum wasn't getting any shots. And the coach didn't call a single timeout to slow things down, to make an adjustment, to you know tap the brakes on this whole thing, which is what a, a good coach will do in those moments. You can't let this game get away from you. Uh, you're right where you want to Remember, they were leading. They had scored 66 points in the first half of that game. And next thing you know, they're down 20, and the coach didn't call a timeout. And in the postgame – Threw the team under the bus because they were asked about his coaching and were you guys looked unprepared and he said oh we were prepared we we did we we were prepared and they almost like well if it's not you coach then you're blaming the players here and it sounds like the the players have taken into some of that stuff and they're falling apart 
in Boston. It's not a pretty scene. Lakers, meanwhile, just aren't as good as Denver. No. Uh, that's pretty clear. And, yes, I did pick the Lakers and supported LeBron. But it's hard to defend LeBron in the flopping, by the way. That is – they're all doing it. Everybody in the NBA flops. We know that. But uh, LeBron he James – He overflops. He overflops. Um, yeah, and he can't shoot the three. But more importantly, his team is flopping in the biggest of moments. They had the lead again. This is a game they were in control of, a double-digit lead again. And the, the 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 Nuggets were just better in the fourth quarter. They're kind of mentally soft, that group. Uh, I see. I disagree with that on the Lakers. I really? just don't think they're as good as this Denver team. And that's what I mean. The more and more you watch Denver, the more at least I do. The more and more I just appreciate how difficult they are to defend. I mean, they just when they need a big bucket, when it goes through the big man and Jokic with his incredible facilitating ability, the passing ability he has. At his size, it just – and then, you know, if you're going to get that kind of performance out of Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, they're just – I mean, I think the Lakers are fighting. They just are losing games close. I mean, they were within a score in, in game one. They led in the fourth quarter in game two. They it were, doesn't matter. They haven't even won a game. They've been they've been terrible. But I don't they think, should never be like this. I don't see it as soft, though. I think it is that the Nuggets are better. I see the Celtics being soft. And we've seen the Celtics play soft basketball all through these oh, playoffs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Lakers have been the opposite. I think they've been tough and gritty and all those things. But I think the uh, – I mean, you just got to look, tip your cap to the Nuggets. They've been the number one seed for a reason. And they're just – in clutch moments, man, they are really hard to defend. They outscored the Lakers 35-26 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jamal Murray had 37 more points after his big game in game number two where he had scored 23 in the third. And Anthony Davis had 28 points, 18 rebounds. Yeah, but they haven't. The Lakers haven't stopped anybody. That's that's the problem with them. They don't stop. They don't stop Murray. They don't say we're going to take him out of. The, one of those guys they got to try to just take out of the game. I mean, they come off. They come off that high pick and roll, and it's just. It's almost like they Murray's. They, they believe he's not going to hit a shot. That guy hits everything. Yeah, well, it's the Porter guy that kills me. I, I didn't know he was that big and that good at shooting the threes. I mean, they're just. I, I, you could, look, I'm not going to defend the Lakers, but I don't think they're playing terrible defense. I just think the the Nuggets have the number one and most efficient offense in the league, and we're seeing in under the biggest of spotlights why. Now, are the, they that good of a defensive team? The Nuggets? They're not a great defensive team. Their problem, their defense is their best defense is their offense. Their in my offense mind. Yeah, for sure. They're because, the highest scoring team. Yeah. Now, the Miami Heat, the lowest scoring team in the playoffs coming in, and this is where the Celtics shame on the Celtics for disintegrating here. Because the Heat are going to be the first team, I think one of the first teams ever, to make it all the way to the finals as being the lowest points mm-hmm. per game team in the playoffs. Uh, Nuggets, best offense all year. Lakers, right. Lakers can't stop it in big moments. And, um, I mean, they stop, I mean, they do a good job of playing defense for three quarters. And they haven't, now game one, the Nuggets came out with a blitzkrieg and built a big lead. And they, got, they rallied it and got it back to a possession game late. Game two, they led and controlled. Game three, they led and controlled. But in the end, too much Jamal Murray. You know, too much Denver, too much fourth quarter. Denver's just a better ball club in my mind. Yeah, I think Denver is into putting the lights out for them right now. They don't want to give them a, any breath. And Ty, Hender, Ty Henderson smiling all the way to the bank. You know what I'm saying? Told y'all. Told y'all. Uh, by the way, Georgetown did uh, lose their series with Montgomery Lake Creek. Montgomery Lake Creek. Thank you for that. I couldn't find that on the uh, UIL's website. They didn't have the results yet posted. So uh, Georgetown season ends. Lake Travis season ends. You know, he, when, when you start talking about the greatest ends. football players of all time, you know, and you got that that top five, really surprised. I mean, obviously, offensive linemen aren't in the spotlight at all, except for now when they get their paychecks. I mean, guys like Anthony Munoz, 
uh, Orlando Pace. You know, those are some of the, some great great football players. Well, that's why ranking the greatest players all time in yeah. football is hard, right? It's, it's, really it's, is. Because the I thought Anthony are, Munoz was special. That's why you typically it'll break down to positions. Who's the greatest receiver of all time? Who's the greatest quarterback sure. of all time? <laughs> Which is what I mean when you elevate it to best player ever, and it, it's so subjective. But I mean, I. To me, it's like Jerry Rice's numbers for a receiver are so much greater than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, his his and he was playing in a with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and ushering in the West Coast offense. He was still playing in an era where running backs and defense dominated, and yet he still, for two decades, put up the greatest receiver numbers all time. Which, you know, that's got to mean something when you're that far and away the best player at your position. Um, and you know, Jim Brown, who knows if he only plays plays more than nine years. What kind of numbers he could have said? He went off to be an actor. Uh, by the way, Dirty Dozen, Dirty Dozen was Dirty the first dozen? movie he made. That's where he got all the big money. But that that was Dirty Dozen was not with Raquel Welch. That was was that 100, 100 Rifles or something like that? I don't something know, Rifles. I don't know the yeah, with, filmography with, of uh, Jim Brown. I wonder what my dad does. Probably not. He watched. He was rooting for Paul Warfield once the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Jim Brown man. retired. Love Paul Wolfville. But yeah, that's always a good debate. So we'll take it. Your greatest, uh, greatest five lineup, or as it were, Mount Rushmore. Because I think if you do it like a Mount Mush Rushmore, that's kind of what we do in sports. Because it's four. You could do two offense and two defense, or you got to do three, three players and a coach. Because I think in football you got to consider a coach um, the greatest. But if you're just sticking to players, I think Jim Brown is hard to keep off of it. Absolutely hard to keep off of it. Tom Brady for sure. Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, and then you pick the you pick the third. But it's very difficult to do. Yeah, but Lawrence, not doing Gale Sayers. No, Lawrence Taylor would have to be in there. <laughs> LT, probably, right? Yeah. As far as the guy that changed the game, <laughs> game changing all time players, for sure. Okay, so uh, we've got plenty to do. Good, uh, good, bad, and ugly continues. We got a blitz coming up. Yeah, and we'll hear from this young lady who's uh, apparently her OnlyFans account led to the divorce of her mother and stepfather. Not a good piece of news on a, uh, on a Monday morning. It's being on the horn. Where you get that from? Did Tawana tell you that? Did Tawana tell you that? Because I ain't for no games, okay? No games, just the gossip. Load up the Blitz. That's your cue at 447-3776. What say you on a Monday? We'll release the hounds here shortly. But, you know, of course, Salacious Gossip brought to you by the Icy Cold Bud Lights, official domestic beer partner of the Longhorns, the Texas X's, and the Texas OU game. Also want to make sure you get home safe this Memorial Day weekend, which is coming up. Make sure you've got... Uh, designated driver decide to ride whether it's being the dd or the uber take you know take the public transit get on the bus Buck. get on the bus get on a bus gus you know you're right i circled the city once on bus you can't drive drunk if you don't drive there uh and our friends at bud light always bring you that message and our friends at brown distributing who help over 500 events every year on the charitable side including yours buck the absolutely open. the mullet open. Been there for 22 years all right here we go an Australian OnlyFans model. Okay, OnlyFans are the sites where you uh, do your thing in front of a camera, naked gardening whatever that stuff, thing yeah. might be, and people pay to see it. So, you know, whatever you can get somebody to pay for, like you would put on your sandals and your sombrero and do some naked gardening. Absolutely. Somebody may pay for that. Turns out that uh, a model in Australia claims that her number one fan, the fan who spent the most money on her site, ended up being her own stepdad. Creeper. Talia Madison says the man had been in her life since she was 11 years old. Even when her mom, when his mom found out, she kicked him to the curb. Here's Talia explaining how this all went down. 
When I first started my website, I had this customer who was my number one customer, bought every single thing that I sent him, and she also had a very specific username on the website. And I had someone view my TikTok page with the exact same username, and underneath that, it said, from your contacts. I narrowed it down to six people, and one of them was my stepdad. I went with my gut feeling and I messaged the website account and I said, I know who this is. And within two minutes, got a text from my stepdad saying, hey, Tay, can we talk? Hey, Tay. Hey, Tay. Yeah, we got something to talk about. See, I mean, there's sickos and then there's like sickos. See, that's why I can't do it. Somebody would take me to another level if I did that. See, that's why I can't do it. I mean, It's it's fun and games until your stepdad starts checking you out. Oh, come on, man. That is just too much for me. Yes. Too much. Hey, you know, you're still looking for your Big 12 championship ring, the first one that you lost? Yes. Well, here's here's signs for hope for you. Minnesota woman reunited with her lost diamond ring. She accidentally flushed it down the toilet 13 years previous. Workers uh, from the wastewater treatment plant found the ring, and Mary Strand, her husband Dave, yeah, they got it back. 13 years later. Like Shawshank Redemption, like digging through the waste, I guess. I don't know. Also, I I figured out the ring that I came in contact with. That was someone by the last name Humphreys. Humphrey. Jay Jay Humphrey. Jay Jay Humphrey. Yeah. It was his ring. That's the one your mom bought? Yep. At a pawn shop? Yep. Jay Humphrey doing a pawn shop. Putting out his dirty business. We needed the coin. Gotta need the coin. So it's not yours. So I'm sorry. So if you leave something, I've never given anything to a pawn shop. But if you leave it, then if you once you acquire the funds, you can go back and buy it back. Right? You never watched Pawn Stars before. You can pawn it or you can sell it. That's right. You need that little extra cash just for a week or two. Yeah, you pawn it. You come back. Really but you're rolling little... the dice, right? Yeah, you are. Could be gone. Could be gone. I've never, and I've never had to do that. So I'm, I'm hoping this guy gets off easy. But a uh, a guy in Portland, Oregon. Got arrested. He claimed to be Captain Jack Sparrow. He dressed up like Captain Jack Sparrow for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, he refused to give his real name to the police. Every time he said, no, I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> I love this guy. He got arrested. Come on, man. Yeah, drugs are legal there. Yeah, he's, got some, he's, got some, he's got some issues. All drugs are legal there? Like every single one. You can't one. buy them. But there's like there's places where you can go to safely use drugs, and you don't. There's no like everything's been decriminalized there, from like heroin. Not to going to crack. Portland. Also, one other note: the Disney member Disney came out with the world world uh, world Star Wars Star Wars Galactic Super Cruiser. It's a hotel, like a totally immersive oh, yeah. Star yeah, yeah, Wars yeah, yeah. thing, where you it just feels like you're staying in the Star Wars movie and shows. It costs fifty three hundred dollars for a family of four to stay two nights. It's closed after one year. Closed after one year. Didn't make it. The immersive Star Wars hotel. No. Let's go to your Blitz. The Bucky and E Blitz. The Morning Blitz brought to you by Apple Leasing, where you only have to pay for the new half of the car or truck. The half under factory warranty in any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and see how easy it is. All right, first Blitz, so you're up. Yeah, man, I'm going to sound like an old guy here, but I'm really tired of the NHL moving stuff around. i got to pay for two or three or four different services just to watch the playoffs. I'm done. Yeah, it is getting to be, you know, channel roulette, trying to figure out how to find your games. It's going to get worse. It's it gets only going to get worse. Next, Blitzer, you're up. Coach. Yes. So 
All right, so I'm going to have to adjust it. Lakers in seven. Tonight begins Bron Bron's greatest feat. Four in a row, baby. Teams are 0 and 3 or 0 no. and 149 all time. Not 0 gonna, and 149. Probably not going to happen. Next blitzer, talk to us. Shout out to the Texas Longhorns, the de facto Big 12 champion. David Pierce did an exceptional job. He gets the pay raise and without question, coach of the year. Yeah. Big 12 championship in a rebuilding year, pretty dang strong. And a no team no one wants to play right now. Uh-uh. Next blitzer, you're up. You know, if Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen had an OnlyFans account, we wouldn't have a problem with it. This is Bob Saget, John Samos, <laughs> and Dave Smith. Oh, Bob Saget, who's deceased, unfortunately. Yes. Can't get on the OnlyFans. Let's go! Hey, um, our man CB reminded us that Jay Humphrey was an offensive lineman on the 96 team, but Aaron Humphrey was also on Aaron that Humphrey, team. Aaron Humphrey, that's right, defensive end. I mean, linebacker, outside linebacker. Could have been either, I guess. It was Jay Humphrey. Oh, it had a number, sixty-seven. Well, one's A, one's J, right? Oh, so yeah. it's Jay Humphrey. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. J on yeah, you're okay. right. Okay. Further clarification that it was the offensive lineman pawning his Big Twelve championship ring. Hope nobody hears that and goes back to Jay and says, "What the hell did you do that for?" I'm going back to. I'm going to find mine. I'm you're fine. never going to find yours. You don't even know where to start looking. Golf bag. I did. I tore it upside down. It's not in there. I went crazy on the golf bag. We will be back in one more hour of hours on a part of a full Monday, a good, bad, and ugly Monday here on b Appreciate you being there. Wherever you're finding us, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, always streaming on your Horn app, on your smart speaker, and, of course, at hornfm.com.